Hello, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is draft week, Wednesday, April 27th, 2022, and I'm your host, George Kurth, here joined by draft expert Cody Roadcap. Cody, it's your favorite time of the year, isn't it? It is. I think I'm, I think you're too kind with the draft expert, just a guy that <laughs> enjoys doing mock drafts, watching some highlights, reading breakdowns, over, going over draft guys. So this is definitely one of my favorite times of the year during the offseason. I know some people get excited about free agency. Doesn't really excite me. I get super excited for the draft, but I'm glad it's here. I'm glad we're finally to this point. It takes forever to get to the draft. A lot of great prospects, and we're going to enjoy breaking them down today. We're going to have to enjoy these next two weeks as much as we can before we get into the second lull of the NFL offseason. But yes, today we're going to talk some NFL news and notes. A lot of uh, interesting rumors to talk about this week, mostly in the news as we get ready for the draft. And we are going to give our final draft preview and a mock draft by one Cody Roadcap. We're also going to be talking about a little bit of a uh, predict the pick challenge here in this episode as well. Why don't you guys find us on thecouchgms.com for more information on that and on our social media channels so you don't miss out on anything that we post. Cody, let's jump right into NFL news. Start off NFL news with a schedule announcement. The NFL schedule for this year will be announced on May 12th. The international schedule, which we already know the matchups, we'll find the dates for, will come out on May 4th. We're almost there. I almost missed the times when they announced the schedule a little bit closer to the draft, but it gives us something to little look forward to in a few weeks. Yeah, it's definitely trying to fill that that law. And I think if I remember correctly from the press releasings, they're going to do like a big promo for the first Thursday night game. They're going to announce that during night one of the draft. So we're going to start getting some games as we get closer to training camp, but to help fill out that law, the NFL is really stretching it out. And I was going to take a quick side note for this is really just me talking directly to the NFL. <laughs> if you could please schedule the Packers versus whoever game on October 30th. It's a Sunday. That way I can convince my fiance to go to London for our honeymoon. October 30th, please Packers. That's it, but I'm really excited for the uh NFL schedule to come out. A lot of great matchups. Always fun to at least dream about which all games you're going to go to. Uh, and see how many of them you actually get to. Exactly. Um, I think that would actually be hilarious if you can finagle your honeymoon in London, which I think would be a great place to go for a honeymoon too, but just get a little extra in there. <laughs> but yes, I mean, I, as much as I am a little upset that it takes longer to get to the schedule, it is nice that in a few weeks in the lull, we're going to have something to talk about. And we can start making our predictions. And I think this is also to give the schedule makers a little bit of uh, an idea of how the draft falls. Maybe they want two first round quarterbacks going against each other early in the year or something like that. So I think that's another reason why they switched it up, but we have that to look forward to shortly onto some other news. The big one for the week is Debo Samuel is asking for a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. As soon as we thought that, Oh, maybe this is starting to calm down. He was seen in a club earlier this week and there was a big sign that says Debo staying with the 49ers and he gave a head shake and a no, that's not happening. So it seems like he really does want out of San Francisco, but San Francisco does not seem to agree and does not want to move him. So what do you think, Cody? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting come draft night. And remember the, the 49ers, they don't have a first round pick. It is now 
with the Kansas City Chiefs through the Miami Dolphins from the Trey Lance deal last year. So they could be looking to get back in the first round. And if it is a trade is going to happen with Debo Samuel, it's going to happen this week in draft. They're not going to, you know, mm-hmm. no one's going to trade for a 2023 first round pick are because it's not as enticing. You want to get that guy now to bring them in. And honestly, if you trade Debo Samuel after the draft, he's most likely going to make that team better and make that pick less valuable. So that's why this week is going to be very important for Debo Samuel. He seems to be the most likely uh, guy to be on the move. Uh, But I will just throw out there some other wide receivers to keep your eye on, especially on how the draft falls. Um, We're going to break it down a little bit, but if some teams like the commanders, they draft a wide receiver that might make a guy like Terry McLaurin a little bit more flexible. Another guy that seems to be out there. Keep an eye on the Tennessee Titans. I still don't think they're going to move A.J. Brown, but it is worth noting that the GM has gone from we're not trading him to that's something I don't foresee. Maybe that's just me spending way too much time overanalyzing all the Aaron Rodgers, how technical he is with his words, but just that minor change of not changing to something that we don't foresee could say, hey, there's a little bit of wiggle room there. Maybe there is something going on. Uh, And then obviously DK Metcalf is another big name to watch out. But Debo Samuel is the guy that's probably going to be the most coveted going into the draft because he's the guy that seems to be having his, you know, fist on the table. Hey, I'm not coming back here. There's a lot of great teams. The New York Jets, they were big in for Tyreek Hill. Would not be surprised if they were big in for Debo Samuel, especially with head coach Robert Sala and offensive coordinator uh, Mike McDaniel from the San Francisco. They got to work with him for the three previous years. Like they know what he's about. So I think the Jets, that pick 10, that's when it's going to get really exciting. Uh, but George, is there any other teams that you think might be in the mix for Debo? I think some of the teams that have two first round picks have to be teams that are watched. So, I mean, the Jets, I still believe have two first round picks. They're obviously one that's big in there for that talk. The Eagles are still looking for a wide receiver. I mean, we're going to talk more about them in a second, but they're a team that you have to watch out for putting in a good offer. I think the New Orleans Saints could use a wide receiver, but they want to use their picks more for uh, quarterback purposes or like keep that ammo for a quarterback if they need it. So I don't know if they're going to make that move, but they would be another team that I think would be a good fit. So those are the three that I'm watching because I know they have the ammo to make that move and still not compromise their draft this year, which is big. Definitely. And it's also worth noting if we, you know, spin this back to a fantasy, you know, if you were listening all second half of last season, we were like Debo running back, Debo wide receiver. And it seems you know, there has not nothing has been confirmed, but if you connect the dots, it does seem like the reason Debo Samuel wants out is because he doesn't want to carry the ball 10 times a game. He doesn't want to be put in the run. Mm-hmm. He wants to prolong his career. He's seeing these wide receivers getting 20, 25 million dollars a year. He was dominant as a number one wide receiver the first half of the season before he was turned into, a, you know, he split duties in the backfield and at wide receiver. He wants to prove that he's the number one guy. He wants to get paid and you can understand it because he is a very talented wide receiver and he doesn't want to shorten his career by continuing to play running back. He did it to help his team try to win a championship. He's saying, Hey, again, I'm just speculating. He's saying, Hey, this is enough. And it seems like they weren't willing to come to the table or to negotiate. So he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm out. That's the, uh, the connecting the dots we're getting from this situation. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting as it unravels the next few days on where Debo Samuel goes. And it's probably going to like, you know, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, right as we're posting this podcast, after we've already talked about it for a few minutes, is going to announce the trade. So this all might be mute by the time you're listening. 
And if not, maybe one of these other trade and uh, our trade speculations will be. But uh, now before we move on to our next uh, take here, there's also quarterbacks to watch as we come into the draft as well. You have to watch the Jimmy Garoppolo. You have to watch um, I mean, Sam Baker. Darnold's a possibility. Baker Mayfield is the other big one. Exactly. So there's a lot of pieces that could move around. But one that was kind of shocking to me. Reported by uh, Cody's friends over at Cheesehead TV, the Packers are interested in Darren Waller. Apparently, there was rumors of them trying to get him in the trade that sent Devontae Adams to the Raiders, but you cannot trade a player in a deal where somebody's on the franchise tag, something like that. Some weird NFL rule going on there, so it was not a possibility. But the Packers may be back for a second dip at Darren Waller. Can they pull off that move, Cody? As the insider over here is uh, having some friends that reported this. Maybe you know something. Yeah, so this is very interesting. It is, it's been confirmed, actually, that the original trade for Devontae Adams was a first and Darren Waller for Devontae Adams. And then the NFL shot it down because there was a new rule put into the most in the 2020 CBA update that any player on the franchise tag who is unsigned and since Devonte said he would not play on the franchise tag he actually did not sign that tender so because of that you can only involve draft picks and that's how you get the first and the second for darren waller so on the surface that looks like they value darren waller as a second round pick now that you're closer to the draft you're starting to see what prospects might be there things might have changed maybe they're trying to get him for a third round pick maybe the nfl won't let them just you know give the raiders 53 pick back for Darren Waller as like, Hey, we know what you're doing. You're not, you're not, we already told you no one. So, (laughs) so, so maybe it'll have to be a third and a fourth or something like that. Um, I know we're not doing quotes of the week, but after that report came out on Monday evening, Derek Carr himself quote tweeted it on Twitter and said, LOL, no chance. Uh, I think Jeremy Fowler from ESPN on Tuesday reported there's zero chance of this happening. Um, but I don't know how you can say zero chance when there was already a, a deal agreed to before the league mm-hmm. shot it down, and we n- don't know what happened what happened in the draft. Um, to me, like Darren Waller, if from a fantasy perspective, like sign me up tight end one if he oh, goes yeah. to Green Bay. Oh yeah. But from like a Packers team building standpoint, I don't know how much, you know, how much Darren Waller is definitely better than Robert Tunyon. I'm not saying that. But how much different of a player is Darren Waller than Robert Tunyon, who you just re-signed? And, like, now they're not going to both be able to play on the f- field together. Like, that's where I'm coming from it. Like, obviously, I think Darren Waller is, you know, the better player. But he is almost 30. He has two years left on his deal, but there's no guarantee. So he's going to want a n- new deal. So it seems like an odd situation for a player to be, you know, to be chasing or going after. Uh, but they were in for Zach Ertz, and he was in a very similar situation, too. So... I would not be surprised if come Friday evening on the draft, if we see Darren Waller uh, get moved. Man, there's a lot of teams that play two tight end sets as almost their base package. I know that's not the Packers. That hasn't been them for a long time, but they also haven't had the tight ends in their system to run that. So like if they do trade for Darren Waller, I get how it's like, oh, him and Robert Tunyon are very similar players. They could both be on the field at the same time, especially considering that they are not deep at the wide receiver position right now. Their roster chemistry has changed. If it's something that Rodgers is comfortable with, I don't. I would not be shocked if this trade did happen and it still could be beneficial to the Packers. It's just going to change their offense off of what we've traditionally seen as a Packers offense. Yeah, I think I agree with that. It would you know, do some limited in the run game because they're both not very good blockers. Normally those two tight mm-hmm. ends, at least one of them, 
is a solid run blocker, which you would be losing that as well. But, you know, it will definitely be worth noting. It was pretty exciting for about 12 hours until it seems to be shot down, but it's something we wanted to keep you guys uh, on and just know that there was, it was actually confirmed that the deal was a first and Darren Waller for Devontae Adams. Then the league shot it down and that's how it got to a first and the second. So the Raiders were willing to trade him once, maybe a month later. They're like, Hey, actually, Look how tough this division is. We want all the pieces. We'll figure it out with Waller, you know, but if he wants a new deal, cause there's no guarantees left. They just paid Chandler Jones. They just played Derek Carr. They just played Devonta Adams. They can't pay anyone. I know the salary cap is ex- exploding, but he could be that unfortunate cap casualty that they have to move on from. But you know, Darren, Darren Waller is not the biggest tight end news. Oh no. The week. Oh no. As the resident Eagles fan, George, I know you're pretty excited about JJ Arcega Whiteside officially moving to tight end. On okay, honestly, I am actually excited about that. Because there is one thing that JJ Arcega Whiteside could do, and that's block. So like he moving to tight end is gonna be absolutely irrelevant for fantasy. It's gonna be absolutely irrelevant in the passing game. But man, he might actually be a good run blocking piece, especially because the Eagles lost Zach Ertz, who was as good of a run blocker as he was a pass catcher. Maybe this is actually a really good move. And this is the only way he stays on the roster this year. Yeah, I actually like, like the move a lot. You make a good point about the run blocking. Um, I think I was going to talk about later in the year too, when we were coming up on the, some of those deep dives for dynasty leagues, and I'd mentioned him last year too. Tyree Jackson, the quarterback convert to tight end on the Eagles. He's now suffered his second torn ACL injury. So he's struggling to stay healthy. Getting JJ Thega Whiteside behind Dallas Goddard, who has pass catching ability, who is a good run blocker. Obviously, you're not going to draft him in fantasy coming up if it's a redraft league. If you're in a deep dynasty league, you might want to, you know, take a flyer on it if you can hold him for a year or two, just because if something happens to Dallas Goddard, he would essentially move into tight end one at this point, unless they go out and draft someone or bring in another, another body, but they're pretty thin after Goddard. Now Goddard is the all-star. He's a focal point of that offense, but you can't rule out the possibility of an injury. And a guy like our single white side, who's been in the offense before granted, it's a new position could be something entertaining and could be a waiver wire pickup. We're talking about uh mid season. I know George is definitely not hoping for that, but something you might be hoping for is that Eagles are open to trading Jalen Reger. Yeah, one more thing on Ortega Whiteside before we move on. So la- a couple of weeks ago, I was on with Tyler and we we're talking about Anthony Ferkser signing with the Atlanta Falcons. And I was saying how if you have a really good roster in a dynasty and you have one spot, you're just like, I want to throw at a guy. Maybe you do that. Like, it, like along with what Cody's saying, maybe Ortega Whiteside's another guy you could just throw him on there, expect nothing. If there's an injury or something happens, maybe he works out for you. Um, but yeah, you're in basically in that situation. The Eagles open to trading Jalen Rager. That's a big move. And I actually want to tie this back to the Debo Samuel trade request for a second because the Eagles uh, reportedly, this one was not confirmed on like that Darren Waller trade we talked about with the Packers. We're talking about offering a first round pick, a second round pick, and Jalen Rager for Debo Samuel. So this did seem serious. There's rumors out there of him being involved in trade talks. He's another wide receiver that could get moved on draft night. And 
who knows what we could actually get out of him. He's a former first round pick. You're probably not going to get that, but he could be packaged with some of these picks that the Eagles have to move up or get picks for the future. Hey, I wouldn't be be surprised. He might just need a change of scenery because he's never going to, you know, we t- Eagles fans, they're diehard, but they can be <laughs> a little extra, a little toxic at points. And he, he'll never be true. able to let live down, even though it was not his fault that he's not Justin Jefferson. Granted, that was yeah. the front office, but he'll, he's never able to live that down in Philadelphia. Go to a team like San Francisco. Let Kyle Shanahan do his work magic with him. He could he could turn into into something. I wouldn't give up on Jalen Regular if he does get moved. It could be a solid addition. Could be a flyer you take late in fantasy drafts. Um, so definitely worth noting. I do like that scenario for besides the fact that Dio Samuel is not coming to Green Bay, but we all know the San Francisco 49ers aren't trading him to the Packers. Mm-mm. So if any of us can have him, you can have him, George. Um, and then real quick, it wasn't on the rundown, but first round draft pick Kadarius Tony is rep- rumored to be available via trade. Um, now I know that's been shot down a little bit, but just something another another wide receiver we're gonna you know watch as we go throughout the draft. Um, new GM, new head coach might not fit their system and want to move on. Uh, it's a little, it is a red flag that a rookie taking a top twenty pick a year later is now available but again it's a new system new head coach so a lot of a lot of moving pieces this is what makes the draft so exciting i mean what else are we going to do but talk about this kind of stuff when the teams take all 10 minutes to make their pick especially the jacksonville jaguars who are on the clock they've been on clock since the end of the end of the season uh but since they're on the clock george why don't we go ahead and move into what everyone's been waiting for with our draft preview mock draft edition Yes, Cody, we're talking mock draft, so we're going to give you a breakdown of a mock draft made by one Cody Roadcap, and we're going to give some thoughts on maybe some prospects we already talked about, some prospects that we have not talked about, because we know there's a lot of defense we haven't talked about, and maybe we'll talk about how some, you know, some trades might be, might happen in this, even though there were no trades in your mock draft. We'll just see how everything falls. Um, So we're going to take this in chunks. We're going to go five picks at a time. And then we're going to get back and uh, talk about some of the prospects that were in that group. So I can just start us right off here, Cody, with picks one through five. Jacksonville Jaguars, who have been on the clock, you have them taking Trayvon Walker, edge out of Georgia. The Detroit Lions at two, taking Aiden Hutchinson, edge out of Michigan. The Houston Texans are taking Sauce Gardner, the corner out of Cincinnati. That would actually be the highest draft pick of a Cincinnati player in history, I want to say. Um, the New York Jets at number four, taking Derek Stingley Jr., the corner out of LSU. And then the New York Giants at five, taking Kayvon Thibodeau, edge out of Oregon. So I just want to start it off with no quarterbacks in the top five. That'd be the first time since 2013 that that happens. All of them are defensive players, three edge rushers. So what are your thoughts going so defense heavy in the top five? One, I think it speaks to the quarterback class. Um, I am... 99.9% 99.9% sure that no quarterback is going in the top five of this draft. I know there was some rumors early in the process that the Detroit Lions could be in on Malik Willis, uh, especially in this scenario, especially now that the Jacksonville Jaguars have seemed to target in on Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson, which doesn't make sense to me. I know Aiden Hutchinson measured a little bit of short arms, but he's still an exceptional athlete, a little bit of, you know, Heisman, you know, finalist. 
like elite defensive player, in my opinion, the best player in the class. Um, and the Jags owner apparently wants him, but the GM says Trayvon Walker. We'll see how that one, uh, you know, spins out. And I went with Trayvon Walker. I should, real quick, before we go on to the, some more picks, give you a little background on the mock draft. I did this as not some of it is what I would do. Like that was the tiebreaker. Uh, but a lot of this is stuff I've been reading, stuff I've been researching, other people I've listened to, getting a feel of where these players might go. Um, and that's how I came up with this draft. So it's kind of like what I'm hearing around the NFL, even though what I'm hearing is what you guys are probably all hearing listening to. Uh, so you might have heard some of the same things. But Jags going Walker, the Detroit Lions, if Hutchinson, the hometown guy out of Michigan, is there, the best prospect, like they're going to take all 10 minutes but they're going to have that card filled out at nine fifty eight. Like they're going to wait for someone to like, give them like four first round picks to come up. But like, it's already going to say eight, Aiden Hutchinson on the back to back corners, I think is where we get a little bit uh, interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if Stingley actually goes ahead of a mod sauce Gardner. I mean, sauce is an incredible name, uh, but I know the oh, Texans yeah. reportedly are very high on Stingley as well. Um, so those guys could easily be flipped. Um, and then the Jets, if they don't go corner, I wouldn't be surprised if they take an edge rusher in Kavion Thibodeau. Uh, but I'll teach you a little bit later. They get a guy at pick 10 that can come off the edge. So that's where I'm at. Ooh. George, any issues, any things that are sticking out to you from these original five or top five? No, I think it's going to be defense heavy. I like the two corners, three edges in the top five. Um, the only pick I think that could be different is if one of these teams surprisingly is like super high on a quarterback and wants to jump to two, they might take a quarterback at two, switch with the Lions. The Lions have seemed very interested in listening about trading out. Um, but I think it's a good move for them to wait until their second first round pick at 32 to take a quarterback themselves. So I like the Hutchinson or maybe they even go Walker if Hutchinson does go one. Um no, I have no problems with this. It's a it's pretty good analysis there, Cody. I appreciate it. And it's also worth noting that I believe it was Tom Paracello put out earlier this week that there's actually a lot of teams in the top 10 that are trying to trade back just because there's not a, a lot of top-tier talent, but this draft is very deep in prospects that could be solid players. So they're trying to get back, acquire more picks, but they're having trouble to find players. So I know when you do your mock draft machines, you're like, oh, it's so easy to trade. It does take two teams to tango. So some of these teams might not be able to to find their trade partner. If someone does, if a quarterback does go in the top five, it's because they're jumping the Carolina Panthers. Um, Pretty much, I'll just yeah. Tra transition that right into the Carolina Panthers. Some may say this is a surprise, but I have them taking Kenny Pickett, the quarterback out of Pittsburgh, which I'll talk about in a second. The Giants take the first offense alignment in Iki Ikonwu out of NC State. The Falcons continue the offensive run with wide receiver Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. Seattle offensive lineman Evan Neal, who some say could go number one still, so getting him at number nine is incredible value. And then, like I teased at the beginning, Jeremiah Johnson the third is an edge rusher out of Florida State. He's been another high riser in this draft process. The, the Jets don't take Thibodeau at four, end up still getting a solid pass rusher. I know wide receiver is an option there, uh, but I think – with this draft, the depth, having early second-round picks, they wait on a wide receiver, so that's why I went Jeremiah Johnson. George, what sticks out to you the most about these top five? Are these the next um, I'll just ramble on a couple of them, and you can kind of fill in. 
Um, first thing, Evan Neal, not only being all the way down at pick nine, but not even being the first offensive lineman off the board. It's very possible, but it's something that a lot of people are probably going to disagree with you with. Um, I do like the fact that the Jets wait and take Jermaine Johnson at 10 and still get their corner up at pick four. Um, I think that would be their smartest draft move. I don't know if that's how they're going to go. I would not be shocked if they take Thibodeau at four, for example, and then have to try to find that secondary piece at pick 10 uh, but Kenny Pickett that's the one that everyone's going to talk about there um, part of me I've, I've said this today to my co-workers I want to see a quarterback taken before pick six because I'm very interested if the Panthers chi- decide to change their tone on Baker Mayfield or on Jimmy Garoppolo if they see a quarterback come off the board and start to freak out um, Kenny Pickett makes sense to them, in my opinion, because he is the most NFL ready quarterback. I know he's not even the highest rated quarterback in the class. People have been talking about Malik Willis for a long time, but I think Pickett makes sense for them because he can step in and he's the best chance of starting day one, even though I think it's still going to be a work in progress. If he goes, I am not convinced like that they won't make a trade for one of those two quarterbacks. They've been denying it for a long time. But I don't see how that's not their best move. And do you agree with me there? Well, I I think so. I see what you're saying. Um, If, you know, someone trades with the Giants to (coughs) take the guy that they want. Like I have my guess is whether it's Pickett, Willis, whether they're going to shock the world and take Matt Corral or Sam Howe or Desmond Ritter at six. One of those five, because they're all very similar. Like they're not. They're different mm-hmm. play styles, but they're all similarly ranked. So I feel like they have their guy of that five. If for some reason they're not there, I think Baker Mayfield becomes an option. What you have to remember about the Carolina Panthers is, is this is Matt Rule's third season. And yeah. he knows that. he. This is why I went Kenny Pickett is one. Kenny Pickett has started 49 college games. You know, he's more ready to come in and play right now. Matt Rule actually recruited him trying to get him to Temple back when he was coming out of high school. So there is a connection there. Like he's been following him essentially his whole career now. And this is like the guy that I think, while there might be more upside with Malik Willis, I think this is the guy that could come in and help them win now. And if he's not there, maybe they do go out and get a Baker Mayfield. Uh, You know, we'll have to wait and see. That's the kind of guy, like the move. They'll have to wait and you have to wait and see post-draft if they don't take a quarterback maybe they don't even take a quarterback here at six and they try to get back in in the second the end of the second round it's like Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral is one of their guys they try to you know get back into that first round to get the extra fifth year option but for me I went Kenny Pickett because of his connection with Matt Rule and he's of the guys that are available he's probably the most ready to come in and compete right now and I think that's what this team needs um and then the other thing you mentioned was Iki Kwanwu over Evan Neal I think they're very similar. I know Evan Neal is probably considered the best all-around offensive lineman. Aquanwu is definitely the best pass blocker. Um, probably doesn't live up to the same run blocking as Evan Neal does. But with Brian Dayball coming over from Buffalo, that pass-happy offense, I know it's Daniel Jones. I know what I'm saying. It's why you're like, dude, they have Saquon Barkley. Like, let's let them run the ball. But <laughs> Aquanwu, I think, could be a solid piece that – offensive line that I feel like the Giants have been, you know, working on for the last decade. And they'll still keep working on probably, but if they can finally get that one key piece in the draft, that would be a huge step towards protecting Daniel Jones, giving him that one more shot 
and hopefully keeping say if they can keep Saquon Barkley on the field, opening him back up because I know he is on his uh, revenge tour this year. It seems from his media talk. But I can move us on then to picks eleven through fifteen. So at eleven, the Washington Commanders you have taking Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. The Vikings at twelve taking Trent McDuffie, corner out of Washington. The Houston Texans, Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. The Baltimore Ravens at 14, Jordan Davis, defensive lineman out of Georgia. And the Eagles at 15, Chris Olave, wide receiver out of Ohio State. So I'm actually not going to start with the wide receiver. I'm going to tee up Kyle Hamilton here because I know he's the number one rated player on NFL's drafting combine um, numbers. And maybe it's because he plays safety and it's not quite as... uh, valued of a position as an edge rusher a quarterback a wide receiver that's why he falls all the way to 13 but I feel like that's a steal for the Houston Texans to get a ball hawking safety at pick 13. Yeah so Kyle Hamilton definitely one of the toughest guys to predict in this this mock draft easily could have had him go you know five to the Giants seven to the Giants thought about him with the New York Jets thought about him with the Seattle Seahawks um, but that he had, I don't want to say a slow 40 time because it wasn't slow, but it wasn't what anybody was expecting. So it, it's knocked him down. I've seen, you know, people don't expect him to go in the top 10. It was you know, still so, a four, three, eight. So if we're talking about that slow, I thought it was in the four sevens, four sixes. I mean, on NFL.com, it has him as a four, three, eight. Maybe he ran that at a, uh, at his so, pro day or something like that's that. That's right. So that's, that's the correct. He ran a that's how he ran like a four three eight the combine, and then at his pro day he ran like a four seven. So they're like, oh, because you know this was like the fastest combine ever. You know they were mm-hmm. crediting some of that to like new turf. They're like, oh, what's why is there such a big difference? So he he's been dropping. I don't understand. It. I think he you know like you mentioned he's. I still have Hutchinson as the number one player. Kyle Hamilton will be number two. Like honestly, if the Detroit Lions took Kyle, Ham- Kyle Hamilton, like it's not a reach by any means. So I agree. It's incredible value. I don't think you can rule out the Texans taking him at number three and for them to come around and get them at 13. This is a spot that I liked it. I will say the Houston Texans are one of the hardest teams. This actually a group as a whole was like the hardest portion of the mock draft for me. Cause I feel like all these teams can go in different directions. Uh, I think any of them could, you know, take Kyle Hamilton. I think the Houston Texans are going to be looking to trade back. This would be a prime candidate for a, a team because they are limited in picks. You know, if a team is going to come up and try to jump the Saints who are up in a couple picks for a quarterback, try to get ahead of the Steelers, maybe the Steelers are the team trying to come up. Uh, look, Houston Texans might be the first area of a real possibility for a trade come draft night um, if we're not seeing much action because it could be a, a low trade in the top 10. Uh, and then the other one, you mentioned the wide receivers. Two did go in this section. You got Chris Olave. I've heard that the Eagles are obsessed with him. Tie that back in with them now shopping. Jalen Reger, it seems that they're going to go wide receiver for three straight years. Um, and then the Washington Commanders, I could have easily went with Jamison Williams over Drake mm-hmm. London. I ended up going with Drake London because if you look at their wide receiver core, they have Diami Brown, they have Cam Sims, they still have Terry McLaurin, whether he'll still be there if they would make this pick or not. They have a lot of speed guys, deep threats, you know, top end guys. We don't know what his actual speed is with Drake London. I know that's one of the knocks on him, but he is a, you know, a guy that can move. He can. He's one of the best, if not the best, uh, 50-50 jump ball, attack the ball at the point of attack. 
a guy, you know, very similar to like an Alshon Jeffrey. And then we saw, you know, that was Carson Wentz's best years. So whether you're planning for the future with Carson Wentz or not, you also want to build your wide receiver room with a variety of different play sets. And that's why, though I think Jamison Williams is a better prospect than Drake London, I still went Drake London to the commanders because it was a better fit for their team. Yeah, I mean, that was actually something I was going to bring up when it counts to the wide receiver. So you answered that one for me. The other one is I've seen some rumors or some mock drafts that have come out that the Minnesota Vikings are taking a wide receiver at 12. That doesn't make much sense to me, but would some a move like that make like Adam Thielen an expendable wide receiver? Or how, how would you see that falling if they do decide to go say that one of these wide receivers is the top best available and they go for it? I don't think you can rule out a wide receiver for, I don't think you rule out it for the Vikings or really any team. Like as pass happy as this mm-hmm. league is going, you know, look at the two <laughs> Super Bowl teams from 2021. They all were three wide receivers deep, like three solid Fair. wide receivers deep. I think that's where we're going. We're, that's why we're seeing wide receivers getting paid 20, $25 million. Remember the first round you get that extra fifth year option. I think that makes now that the wide receivers are like the second highest paid position, getting them for an extra year before you have to actually pay them. I know the fifth year is fully guaranteed and a high number, but it's not $25 million a year, which could be 30 by the time that their contracts are up. So like definitely something worth noting. Um, I don't think it would make Adam Thielen available. I'm trying to recall, um, but I believe they renegotiated his contract this offseason to help with the cap space. So I think uh, making him a little bit too hard to trade with what they, what they did. Um, but he is getting up there in age. It could be a guy that they look to move next week, you know, next year, get that long time running mate with Justin Jefferson. And honestly, as much as we're seeing these wide receivers have frustrations and wanting to move. And there's already been some, you know, reports that Justin Jefferson isn't as happy as he may seem in Minnesota. He might not want to be there long-term. And we're seeing that with Debo. There's other guys are mentioned. I wouldn't put it past them, but this team has desperately been trying to find a cornerback for a while now. They've had some, you know, misses, guys that they thought would be better. Some had gotten to some off-the-field issues, and they, they've had to move on. Uh, Trent McDuffie, I think he's, a, you know, he's a solid option. He's not, you know, Stingley Jr. or Sauce Gardner, but he is still a very good prospect. Um, and I think if he doesn't go there, I think if Trent – McDuffie and Chris Olave are on the clock for the Eagles. I think that's going to be a very difficult decision for them. But since McDuffie was already gone, which is why Chris Olave kind of like just fell in the Eagles lap. If they are really as obsessed with Chris Olave as you, as people think they are, I think that would have to be their pick, but a lot of it will probably have to do who's going to fall down to their next pick at pick 18. Um, Who has the better chance great question i feel like it might be mcduffie if he does get to 15 he might have the better chance of going to 18 but that's that's a really tough call i'm really not sure but i can take us through pick 16 to 20 in your mock draft here so we talked jamison williams you have him going pick 16 to the new orleans saints he's the wide receiver out of alabama chargers taking charles cross offensive lineman at mississippi state at 17 the eagles 18th pick is george Karloftis, edge out of purdue 19th, the Saints again take Trevor Penning, offensive lineman at UNI. Yeah, okay. University of Northern Illinois. Iowa. I've always had it written out as Northern Illinois, and that's why it threw me off there. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. UNI. <laughs> UNI. 
And then pick 20, Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty. I know that there's been a lot of talk of the Steelers and Malik Willis and a lot of mutual interest there. I don't know if he gets to 20. I don't know if they have to move up to get him. I don't know if he even, you know, gets taken in that first quarterback pick somewhere around pick six or maybe even a little earlier if a team moves up. But it seems like the Steelers and Willis want to have a reunion here. So, Cody, do you have this here because you think the Steelers are going to take him at 20? Or do you think it's the Steelers in general and that pick could move? Well, it's definitely the hottest buzz of draft week is the connection between Willis and the Steelers, whether that's real, you know, trying to get some other teams to like maybe, you know, a team like the Panthers or a team like the Eagles are trying to, you know, get that so that there's some competition to jump the Saints, you know, something like that. I'll have to wait and see. But this reminds me very or a lot to last year when we had Matt Jones and, you know, Mac Jones can go three to the San Francisco 49ers. Like Mac Jones isn't going three, but you know, there was some hype in that going into the draft. And then it was like, if not, he's going to the Panthers or he's going to the Patriots. And they're like, well, there's no way he's going to fall to 15. And he did. And I think we can see that exact same thing with Malik Willis. I know he he's, you know, that quote unquote project quarterback that has all the intangibles, the cannon arm has a little needs to work on his accuracy, but he's super athletic. He can use his feet, which we've seen the trend in the NFL. But I keep going back to that he's 24 and listed as a project. He's older than Jordan Love, who has, will now be going into his third season in the NFL, who was a project quarterback. And, you know, we, we, he hasn't made as much strides. Some of that could be a COVID. Some of that could be because he hasn't had the playing time opportunity. But project quarterbacks don't always work out in year one. I, they're always a long shot. So... I like it to the Steelers. If he can go behind Mitch Trubisky, you might laugh, but, you know, learn a little bit, learn how to play in the NFL, get some actual training. There's not a pressing need to start. Maybe he starts the second half of the season if the Steelers are struggling. But I do like that bit, um, whether it's at 20, whether they move up. But I, honestly, I'm starting to feel pretty confident that unless he goes number six, that he'll be available uh, at at least 16 to the Saints, if not 20 to the Steelers. Yeah, and like you did say, it is worth noting that the Eagles at 15 might be a trade candidate because of moving up ahead of the Saints. But that is going to be the pick that I'm going to really be watching if we start getting to like 11, 12, and Willis is still on the board. It's, is he going to fall? Is he going to go to the Saints? Is a team going to move up to get him? Um, but Jamison you know, Williams is another – sorry, go ahead. No, no go, I was literally going to say, you know, you're talking about picks 11, a pick 12 – Jamison Williams at 16, he is my, I think, has the highest ceiling of all the, he has the highest ceiling that I think is attainable of all the wide receivers. There's some wide receivers that could be end of the first round, second round that I think they have all the talent, but they don't need to go to the right place to pull that in. Uh, like a Christian Watson or a George Pickens who aren't, spoiler alert, aren't drafted in this, in the first round of this draft. I think they have high ceilings as well, but Jamison Williams seems to be like the solid option he could easily go as high as the Jets at 10, the Falcons at eight, if they like him over Garrett Wilson. So the Saints getting him at 16. I know there's the injury. He's posted another video this week of him working out, getting people excited that he might be able to be back for training camp and not start on PUP. Uh, I mean, I hold your horses. It will be less than, it'll be like six months since he tore it. So let's 
six to eight months in that range. So give him a break. If he misses the first six weeks, he still misses the first six weeks. But I think the Saints have had their eyes on Jamison Williams since before they made this trade with the Eagles, uh, which is kind of surprising that they let the Eagles stay in front of them, a team that could take a wide receiver. And maybe they'll they'll still take Jamison out of them. But if the Saints could walk away with this draft with Williams and Trevor Panning, I know it's not a quarterback, but I, I think that is like two positions that they desperately want to hit. Penning after losing Teron Armstead, Williams, you know, maybe we'll see Michael Thomas get them a second wide receiver option. You have Winston for a year. If it doesn't work out, super deep class next year. Um, and I think that's why a lot of these quarterbacks are going to fall too. Like, are you going to, you know, do you want to do a Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray thing? Or do you just want to play with the middle tier veteran you got, see if it works out? And if it doesn't, you're you're in the clear for next year and you could take a quarterback in a better class. Yeah, that's something we're going to have to watch out for. But I heard a real hot take on Jamison Williams today um, from an Ohio State fan. Because if you guys don't know, Jamison Williams played two years at Ohio State before transferring to Alabama. That he only transferred out to Alabama because Ohio State was completely comfortable with making him their fourth wide receiver on their depth chart this year. Um, Obviously, you have two Ohio State wide receivers being drafted before him. But you're talking about he is the highest upside. The only reason he's as far down is because of his injury. But he does have all the attributes to be an NFL wide receiver. But is there any kind of doubt in your mind when you hear something like that, if that is true? Like, what did Ohio State see in him that made him not as good of a prospect than a Garrett Wilson and a Chris Olave? Uh, Coaching. Like... I, it doesn't bring any concern concern into to me too. Like players move all around. Like I'd throw it back on you. How come Joe Burrow left Ohio State? Fair. Why couldn't why couldn't they make Joe Burrow work? Or there's always the quarterback carousel that Alabama had that made Jalen Hurts go to Oklahoma. So yeah, there's that. Right. Like that's, players switch. Sometimes they're better in other situations. Sometimes they're not. Jamison Williams. You know, it could just be you know also too, like. Olave is a senior like he was there for two years he is gonna play like he earned that right he is a solid guy and he went to an opportunity that was better with the guys that left from Alabama and let's not act like going from Ohio State to Alabama is a downgrade it's at least a lateral Mm -hmm. movement if not an upgrade so yeah fair I was just interested because that was a hot take I heard today and I was like I never really thought of it that way I don't know how true that is but I wanted to bring it up because it was an interesting take on the wide receiver rankings for this draft Uh, but I can move us on then to picks 21 to 25 at 21 we have the New England Patriots taking Devin Lloyd linebacker out of Utah State 22 Cody's Green Bay Packers are taking Dax Hill safety out of Michigan 23rd is Kair Elam cornerback out of Florida to the Arizona Cardinals 24 the Dallas Cowboys are getting Traylon Burks wide receiver out of Arkansas and 25 Buffalo Bills Andrew Booth Jr. cornerback out of Clemson now I've heard a lot of talk about the Cowboys and a potential wide receiver if one of those guys falls down to them Traylon Burks is someone who's very highly ranked by a lot of people he might even be up with that group of wide receivers we were talking about already that went in the teens and in the top 10 even. So that would be an insane weapon for them to add to that offense, especially after they just traded Amari Cooper 
who could basically just jump right in and they'd still be that wide receiver deep team that can hit you from four different directions. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I didn't I didn't like giving Traylon Burks to the Cowboys at 24. I thought about taking him to Green Bay at 22, Arizona at 23, two teams that could need a quarter a wide receiver as well. Um, but there's just so much smoke around Burks to the Cowboys, whether it is smoke or if there's fire to it. Burks just seems like Jerry Jones's guy. Now, mm-hmm. they might not get as lucky as Burks to fall into their lap like they did with CeeDee Lamb few seasons ago they might have to trade up to go get them uh but there and is will they do that like i don't know if the cowboys would do that if 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 burks if there's as much if there is fire to the smoke and burks is as much as the cowboys guy like like they want him real bad like it's almost as bad as it's being talked about that the eels want chris olave like that kind of like that's their guy they're gonna go get that guy and especially in the draft where there isn't a lot of top tier talents Some people have Burks as wide receiver one in this class. Some people have Burks as wide receiver seven, eight, or nine. So, like, it is very split. I tend to have – I think Burks is a very solid prospect, probably wide receiver, wide receiver four in my mind. Um, I think that goes pretty long where where he's going. I think he is wide receiver four off the board on this one, maybe wide receiver five. George can recap that quick as he counts them. But for me, the Burks pick to the Cowboys made too much sense. It was one of those that you almost penciled in and then do the mock draft around it, trying to f- just make sure it happens. Um, hopefully it doesn't because that I feel like that would be a great replacement for Amari Cooper, giving Dak another weapon, be fun for Dallas. Um, some other names in this group of five, Devin Lloyd, the first linebacker. I think he's the best linebacker in the class coming out of Utah State. Uh, fun stat about him, he had six picks as a middle linebacker, two of them for pick sixes. So he's just like a guy that's always around the ball, had over 100 tackles, so... Fun guy to watch out. Seems very New England. Dax Hill, safety out of Michigan. If the Packers aren't going to take a wide receiver at 22, hopefully it is for a guy like Dax Hill. Versatile, corner safety, most likely will play safety. Love the fit there. Cardinals, they need a cornerback. Kair Elam out of Florida, the the next best safety available. You could flip him with Andrew Booth as well, uh, who is, I have mocked the Buffalo Bills. And I will say for Buffalo, if any team is going to take a running back, it's right going to there. be Buffalo and it's going to be Brees Hall at 25. I still don't think they pull the trigger because I think they can get one of the top three in the, in round two because I don't think the running backs are going to fly off the board. Uh, but Brees Hall to the Buffalo Bills, if that happens at pick 25 for fantasy, since this is a fantasy podcast, like instant rookie draft overall number one pick. No doubt. And I think we talked about it last week in redraft. We were looking at him like late second round, early third round, if he does go to the Buffalo Bills. But I almost feel like I haven't heard a lot of talk about the Bills and taking a running back in the first round, unless you're talking to the fantasy community, because we're all sitting here trying to speak it into existence. Like, I don't know if there's actually a lot of um, truth into that happening. I I completely agree. Is it it us or like... Because people are comparing them to Najee Harris last year and how like, everyone knew Najee Harris was going to the Steelers. And is that like just us there was... trying to make that happen with the Buffalo Bills? Yeah. Or is there are they trying to stay silent and not let – I don't know if they want to really talk about taking a running back. I don't think any of the teams above them would have to worry about that. Um, and also, you know, this group of area, you know, the Bills and the next couple picks also could be like trade down candidates for teams trying to get back into the first round for that fifth year option, whether it's a quarterback, wide receiver, defensive player. Um, 
this is the area that you see teams drop out of the first, pick up a second and an extra pick down in the draft. Uh, the Bills, if they like Brees Hall, they can drop, you know, Seattle. They didn't take a quarterback in the top 10. They have two second round picks. If they could, you know, throw them to Buffalo for the 25th pick to come up and get a quarterback the second half of the draft, get their fifth round option if they in love with a guy like Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral, Buffalo could drop back to the 40s, get their running back. I didn't do trades, so I didn't take a running back in the first round because I don't think there'll be one, but I wouldn't roll it out for Buffalo. Yeah, I think the Pittsburgh situation last year with Najee Harris and the Bills situation this year is so much different. I think that, especially with them losing James Conner, it was just too much of a scenario where it's like, oh, this is going to happen. There was actually talk outside of the fantasy community of the Steelers are interested in Najee Harris. I just haven't heard that. So I think it is a lot of it is the fantasy community um, putting it into like, trying to speak it into existence. But if you have nothing else to add there, Cody, I'm going to move us into the final seven picks here in the first round. So we're at pick 26 where the Tennessee Titans you have taking Nicobe Dean linebacker out of Georgia. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 27 going Kenyon Green, interior defensive or interior offensive lineman, my bad, out of Texas A&M. The Packers' second pick at 28 is Travis Jones, defensive lineman out of UConn. The Chiefs have back-to-back hicks here, 29 and 30. 29, they are taking Jalen Petrie, defensive defensive back out of Baylor. And Sky Moore at 30, which is what I think everyone has penciled in as well in their drafts. Wide receiver out of Western Michigan. 31, the Cincinnati Bengals going Tyler Linderbaum, center out of Iowa. And 32, the Detroit Lions do get the quarterback with Desmond Ritter, quarterback out of Cincinnati. Yeah, so there's probably a lot of question marks coming out. The Lions taking this is a this is an interesting section. <laughs> Lions taking a quarterback, Packers not taking a wide receiver, the Titans taking a linebacker. Like there's definitely a lot of things. So I'll start right there at pick 26. Nicobe mm-hmm. Dean, one of you know, he's right there with Devin Lloyd as top linebackers. The Titans don't have a true inside linebacker. I know they did trade for Zach Cunningham. He's getting up there in age. Kobe Dean could come in, play next to him, and then be their linebacker of the future. Um, but again, another team, I would not be surprised if they trade out the first round, especially since they don't have their second round pick as it goes to Atlanta for the Julio Jones deal from last year. So the Tennessee Titans don't have a second round pick. So look for, they might be a team that trades back. Buccaneers, Kenyon Green, they have to replace their two guards that they lost this offseason, one to retirement, one to free agency. So Kenyon Green, probably the best guard in the tr- draft. Clear cut, you know, makes a ton of sense. 28, big head scratcher. We leave the first round. The Packers do not draft a wide receiver. Everyone on, that's all you're going to hear about until you get to the draft on Friday night because that's what most Packers are still not helping out Aaron Rodgers. The headlines are writing itself. Uh, Travis Jones is an elite athletic interior presence. You know, we saw what this team did. They doubled down on their defense what we saw in the wild card game against the, or the divisional game against the 49ers elite defensive performance. They get better. They become more of a defensive team as they slowly rebuild this offense. If you asked me this two days ago, I would have told you George Pickens here is the clear pick, but there's a lot of reports coming out now that he didn't interview very well. There's some red flags, some character issues. He did get in some, some fights in Georgia. He never had a true full season of playing, you know, elite number one, whether that was injuries or whatnot. So 
wasn't the best interview, still, you know, a number one talent. He was a guy I talked about as would not be surprised in five years. He is not the best wide receiver in the draft. Uh, but because he didn't interview well, we've seen numerous times where players like that fall. The Packers could take a chance on Travis Jones here and try to trade back up or see if Pickens falls all the way to 53. That would be quite the fall for him, in my opinion. Um, maybe they say screw that bad interviews were taking him anyways. Uh, but for this draft, for fun, and because I like George Pickens so much and I didn't want to jinx it, I went Travis Jones. I will throw that little caveat in there. That was the deciding factor between – I was like, I'm not jinxing this. So, uh, But Jalen Petrie and Sky Moore to the Chiefs. Petrie fits right in to replace Tyron Matthew. Love that pick for them. He's – you know, I have him listed as a defensive back. He can play safety. He can play corner. Like, he can do a little bit of everything. Very Tyron Matthew-esque. Love that replacement there. Sky Moore, I've been talking about it since they traded Tyreek Hill. Just a fun, elite, you know, prospect, human joystick. Like, seems like a Chiefs wide receiver. I did consider, note, Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. He's another late riser. Could be end of the first round talent. Wouldn't be surprised if that flips there. But because I feel like I've been talking Sky Moore in the first round of the Chiefs since, heck, before Tyreek Hill, but especially after Tyreek Hill. Ton of sense for that one. Linderbaum, Bengals. I know they signed Ted Karras at center this year. Linderbaum's the best center in the class. Let's just go full rebuild into this offensive line, protect Joe Burrow, get a solid prospect, whether Karras then goes play guard or he's just the backup and or Linderbaum plays guard. They can make it work, uh, but let's throw up that front for Joe Burrow so he can be successful for years to come. And then my favorite pick of the draft, I know it's for the Detroit Lions, would be shocked if we get out of the draft and Desmond Ritter isn't, ends up being a first-round pick. I know I've talked down about this, this class or not. He's my favorite prospect as a person I enjoyed watching. Uh, that's not projecting. He's just my favorite prospect. Sometimes the players that are ranked higher, you don't like as much. Um, like George mentioned earlier, he's not as big a fan as Jamison Williams, so a lot of people have over Chris Olave, but he'd rather have Chris Olave, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. because Some teams are going to like players differently. As a fan, we like players differently, so it's definitely worth watching. But if the Lions could come out of this draft with Hutchinson and Ritter, I would like how they're setting themselves up. Unfortunately, they're the Detroit Lions, so they might not be able to do that. Or if they do get those guys, it probably won't work out. But it at least is a good groundwork for the future. Yeah, and even if the Lions aren't the ones to take Desmond Ritter here, if they don't think that he's their answer, I would not be shocked if a team moves up to 32 to take him. The Lions move down a couple of picks or whatever it might be. Um, because they're trying to get that fifth year option. I know we talked about this a little bit last week, actually, where is Desmond Ritter going to be taken in the first round because a team comes up and wants five years. And that's very possible. So I like him at 32, whether it's the lions or another team. I don't, I don't see many scenarios where we don't see three quarterbacks in round one. And the third one, it might not be Desmond Ritter. Maybe someone likes someone else better, but I think Ritter makes the most sense for me as well as the third quarterback in the first round. Um, I like how you talked about Sky Moore a little bit there and uh, Johan Dotson and how those two might flip. But I'm with you how Sky Moore has just been the guy for the Chiefs for so long that like in our minds that it has that's where I'm going there at that pick or at least one of those two Chiefs picks there as well. Um, but I'll I'll hit on Nicobe Dean a little bit because I've seen mock drafts. Maybe it was a little bit earlier in the process where he's even going in the teens. He is like, I, I always considered him as my top linebacker in this draft. Devin Lloyd, obviously a great talent. 
could end up being just as good or better than Nicobe Dean. I could be wrong, but at 26, I think that's a steal of a pick for the Titans, whether they are a linebacker needy team or not. I think that's definitely a best available pick and a great move. And I still could see him going in the team somewhere. The problem is the teams in pick 16 to 20 have so many other needs that I don't know if they're going to go for it. But I would not be shocked if like the Eagles at 18 go out and get that, except for the fact that the Eagles don't draft a linebacker. But that's a need. And I think that would be a great pick as far up as 18 or maybe even into like 15. I think he's a talent that I have rated higher than maybe some other people. No, Nicobe Dean, he he could easily go, um, you know, 18 to the Eagles, I think makes sense. Maybe the Patriots like him a little bit better than Devin Lloyd. And he ends up going there. He definitely is a guy that has been all over this process, but you hit it right on the nail on the head. You know, I don't see him going, you know, top 13, like to the Houston Texans or the Minnesota Vikings. And once you get past those teams, like they're, they're just not either a big need or like you said, they just don't prioritize the linebacker mm-hmm. position. I know there's still teams out there, the Eagles, the Packers, they're some of the big ones that they're like, Oh, we can just get a linebacker in the fourth round. And, he can just tackle the running back and we'll we'll get good pieces around him so like that's how some teams approach it unfortunately for that certain positions linebacker is one of them but it is great value um definitely would be exciting obviously this is a mock draft but we didn't do trade so it's not going to be the you know exact outcome of it uh but george is there any teams i mentioned the lions as one of my favorites is there any teams like if they walked out of the draft with what we have put out here on this podcast that you'd, you know, instant draft grade would be an A, even though draft grades are pointless. Um, As much as the Texans have so many holes to fill, I think even though they're taking two secondary pieces in your picks here at 13 and three, they would be two great pieces to shoring up that defense finally. So the Texans are an A for me if it does fall this way. Um. I think that's probably my big one. I think the other one would probably be the Seahawks to me. Um, they need offensive line help. Evan Neal could go as far up as I think you even said one. That's a very good possibility. If he falls to nine, that is a great pick there for me. And I think that's an A for round one just because of luck. But centers aren't normally prioritized in the draft. And Tyler Linderbaum at 31, even if he gets moved to guard, And we saw how much the Chiefs prioritized offensive line after Patrick Mahomes ran for his life in the Super Bowl two years ago. That's a great move on the interior offensive line for them to try to keep Joe Burrow upright, who you were criticized heavily last year for taking a wide receiver instead of an offensive lineman in round one. Man, it worked out for him, but obviously they couldn't finish because they could not keep Joe Burrow upright in the Super Bowl. So that needs to be their focus now. And I like that pick a lot. I did like that one as well. And you mentioned the Seahawks. They're a team that you need to keep an eye on coming up for a quarterback late in the second round. They have the two second round picks. They have the ammunition to move. If they could get Evan Neal and a quarterback, it would be a solid uh, pick. Uh, definitely excited to see how this plays out. George, before we go, real quick, do you have any favorite draft memories? Um, if you want to talk about your favorite crush, if you're not thinking of any me- memories in the draft, uh, but what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think I covered a lot of my crushes here already. So I, I like the Kobe Dean a lot and I've talked a lot about Chris Olave over the last few weeks. So they'd be my two favorite draft crushes from this, but 
as an Eagles fan, I don't have a lot of great draft memories, at least as of late, but my favorite that I will always rub in Dallas Cowboys fans is David Akers announcing Dallas Goddard in Dallas. That was one of my favorite moments. Um, but I think just like guest speakers in general at the draft are what I live for. I mean, you had Pat McAfee a few years back as well. Like it, it, They come prepared and it's fantastic. Like, especially if it's the home team or a rival of the home, you know, where the home draft is, it's always a good time. Definitely agree with that. And I believe I saw on Twitter, uh, take this with a grain of salt because I'm going completely based off memory there, but I believe Kyle Brandt will be announcing, I want to say the Buffalo Bills second round pick. And he's already, that is what I heard as well. He has something prepared. So that one should be fun on day (laughs) two. Um, you all know my draft crushes by now. I've been talking about them for weeks. Uh, but I will share my favorite draft memory. It's not, it's related to the draft in a sense. Um, back when we were in college, me and my roommate, uh, his name is Chance. So I'm going to refer to him as Chance for the rest of this little story. We, we got hype for the draft, right? Like that's what you do. You're in college, you're broke. So what do we do Thursday after class? We had to GameStop to sell our games so we could get pizza and subs or pizza and wings. I forget what exactly what the meal was. And on the way to GameStop, we're talking, and we're talking about our guys. We're talking about our favorite draft picks. And I'm like, please don't let the Packers draft Kenny Clark. I said that to him. I said, don't draft Kenny Clark. We're gonna, I was like, we're going to draft someone dumb like Kenny Clark. I think that was my exact phrasing. We get to the NFL draft, and that was the year Miles Jack was projected to go five overall. Late knee injury popped up. He fell. And I loved Miles Jack. I still do. And I'm like, Miles Jack, Miles Jack, Miles Jack. We get to the Packers pick. And I swear this is the only time I've ever heard it. Maybe it's just how I remember it. But I swear Roger Goodell went at, with the, and the Green Bay Packers select out of UCLA, Miles Jack. He didn't. He said the, the college, then the player. Or no, he said out of UCLA, Kenny Clark. Because I was like, <laughs> I was getting excited. Here we go, Miles Jack. It was being reported on Twitter that they are like reevaluating their board for miles Jack and they still went with their board, Kenny Clark. And honestly, that's why I have a podcast and they are front office GMs <laughs> that do scouting because Kenny Clark was the right pick. He's now one of the top three defensive linemen in the NFL. Uh, so just, you know, lighthearted story, but remember, give these guys a chance. Don't take everything. You know, what they do in their rookie year is not the, how their career is going to go. We've seen players, you know, it takes honestly three years to truly evaluate what a player is. So if the guy, if you have a draft crush and your team doesn't take him, don't just automatically hate the guy that it's not going to earn unless they go to a rival. What's that? <laughs> no. Oh, I thought you were talking about don't hate the guy that didn't go to your team and said, unless they go to a rival, but you were going somewhere else with that. No, but I mean, that's a, that's a good point. If he goes to your rival, you can hate, you can hate that because that happens a lot too. Justin Jefferson said, but take one Barkley. Mm. But, you know, the draft is supposed to be fun. It's a lot of, you know, monumental moments for these players. Like, don't be, you know, in their – I'm obviously going to talk – like, don't be in their DMs. Like, you know, I can't believe we picked you. That was such a reach. Like, when the season comes around, don't be tweeting at them bust if they don't do anything week one. Like, that's not what this is about. It's about projecting for the, for the future. Um, but speaking of the future, I think we should probably wrap this up and no, we have one more piece of business to talk about here. Oh, we got one more piece of business. 
We do. And uh, I think you failed to put it on our rundown here, too. We are doing a predict the pick again this year, like we did last year. Um, I did. If you saw our link, if you saw our link earlier, um, we just posted a link. We're going to have a more formal thing going up here. But it says that it's the 2021 predict the pick. That is NFL.com's fault. That is not ours. So it is the correct link. It is how do you get into our group. Um, We said this for the um, playoff challenge. Maybe we can say it again and we have someone with an actual name win. If you have a, if you win or predict the pick, maybe you have a chance to come on and talk with us about the draft in a few weeks. Hey, I like that idea. So definitely be checking that out. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the Couch GMs. I'll post the full list of this, the mock draft up there. So that'll be out by the time you're listening to it. Also be a link there to join to predict the pick. Uh, Tyler is still in the process of moving. So, he will be back with us. Don't worry. He's going to have that new sweet backdrop, whatever that is. I haven't seen his new place yet. I know George has. So we'll see what the new podcast setup looks like when he's back. But he would like to tell you that this podcast is more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. Yes, it is, Cody. And thank you all one more time for listening into the Couch GM's podcast. Enjoy the draft. Keep an eye on our social media channels. Join Predict the Pick. For Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth. We'll see you all next week.